So my guest tonight uh, is Frank Martin, who is a comic book writer and author. Um, Frank, who was the better scary storyteller, Alfred Hitchcock or the Crypt Keeper? That's a tricky one because you've got a uh, fictional character that tells stories that didn't actually write them. And then you got Alfred Hitchcock, who obviously is a master of suspense. I would say I like, I like them for different things, you know? Hitchcock is good at developing that atmosphere of suspense, that kind of horror where it's more mood. And the Crypt Keeper, Crypt Keeper is more of, uh, you know, in your face, on the screen horror, something that scares you that you see rather than something that scares you that you, that you feel. So they both scratch different itches. I can't pick one or the other. That's fair. Um, I know growing up, um, I watched both, you know, not regularly, but, you know, I, I'm familiar enough with both. Uh, but with the Crypt Keeper, he was scary in that, like, I was still young enough where I was like, I'd be watching the show, but, like, you know, peeking through my fingers, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think you have a Crypt Keeper without Alfred Hitchcock. So that's my vote. He, he definitely uh, set the bar high for everybody. He was definitely at a, ahead of his time. You know what? I grew up, and I know this wasn't part of the question, but, I think I ranked the Midnight Society pretty high, too. Yes, yeah. That was, and thank you for that. That was a weekly show for me, and I don't know why I didn't add them, but. (laughs) (laughs) When people ask me about my influences, it's always such a, it's a tough question just because I read and consume so much stuff. But when I, my kids recently, um, I bought the first two seasons on DVD of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So my kids and I went through the entire seasons and we binged the episodes. And I never realized how important this show was to me, developing my sense of storytelling growing up. Because if you think about it, those stories, I mean, they're, they're, they're scary stories, but they run the gamut of genre. You know, they got uh, serial killer stuff and sci-fi and fantasy and some comedy episodes. They're just all over the place. So they really filtered me and exposed me to how you can take one show and be so many different things. Well, all I'm going to say is I now officially know what I'm doing after this interview. So. <laughs> I mean, it's re- it's a really 90s show. So it's, it's a good blast from the past. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. So, Frank, uh, again, first off, thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm tired. Um, three kids on the weekend in the summer how could you not be tired at the end of the day? So uh, don't be surprised if one of them happens to barge in here in the middle of the interview. And I got to, I got to be um, part-time dad during, during <laughs> our goes. Duly noted. So uh, Frank, you have a Kickstarter coming up uh, for your new book, Pipe Creepers. Uh, what are the details on the Kickstarter? Uh, the Kickstarter or the book itself? Uh, let's start with the Kickstarter. Then we'll talk about the book in a minute. Details on the Kickstarter, um, it will run from August 24th to September 10th, which is 17 days. And I know that simply because that's the shortest campaign I've ever run. They usually 
my campaigns have usually been 22 days, which is about three weeks. And I decided to slim it down a little bit this time. So I'm a, a little nervous, excited to see how the, the short time works out. But um, it should be a lot of fun. I have a standard cover of the book, bearing cover. I'm also doing a, a hollow foil cover, which I haven't done since a campaign last year. So that should nice. be And um, yeah, I, uh, it will be my fourth campaign of the year out of five. So I'm busy, busy, busy. So yeah, uh, well, let's talk about the book. Give us the elevator pitch for Pipe Creepers. So Pipe Creepers, it's uh, definitely a Lovecraft-inspired homage-influenced book. Um, the premise is fairly simple. A uh, team of plumbers, two plumbers, go to a creepy mansion to, to do work, and they go into the basement to try to fix a plumbing issue, and they get sucked into a, a, a Lovecraft secret that's in the in the, in the, the catacombs-esque uh, basement of this, of this mansion. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a chance to read this and it was, it was fun from beginning to end. And uh, one of the things that I really loved about Pipe, Pipe Creepers is how like between, you know, like the. I'm here. Okay. I'm trying to shut the door a little. <laughs> oh, uh, one of the things that I loved about Pipe Creepers is how between the dark colors and the dialogue, like it really, it had a feel of like a classic 80s or 90s, you know, horror film. Uh, I know you're talking about Lovecraft, but were there any other like particular like movies or anything that you kind of drew inspiration for this project? You know, this is a, it, it was, it's difficult to classify the story. Um, I use kind of like, I say offbeat or tongue in cheek or black comedy. It's not really meant to scare you, frighten you hard. It's more for horror aficionados to really uh, love the genre and see kind of how this story would become an adventure. It's fun. So uh, definitely a big influence was we could see on the cover of the book, it's kind of a little homage to the movie poster for the Burbs, mm -hmm. the Tom Hanks movie. Um, it's uh, like stuff like Shaun of the Dead, stuff that really, that, that's horror in nature and really loves the genre, but it's still, it pokes fun at it a little bit, satirizes a little bit. So stuff like that, I definitely kind of, I ran with. Also, when you think of fun comedy, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they kind of, it takes vampire stuff and it really, it has fun with it. And that's, that's kind of what this is about. It's not meant to really be a down and dirty, gory book. It's meant to just take horror and have a good time. So um, going back to Kickstarter, you, you had mentioned, you know, like you've done a lot of uh, Kickstarter campaigns and you've done a lot of successful Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, so what would you say is the most important thing to run a successful one? You know, it's weird. There's so many uh, like Kickstarter tutorials or programs out there to kind of tell you to run it, how to run one. And there's, there's so many different aspects on it, of it that, if you want it to be successful, you have to stretch yourself thin. So to me, when I think of the most important tool you could possibly have for the Kickstarter campaign itself is a calendar. You know, it might seem simple, but when you have something running 30 days, 20 days, 14 days, you need to do something during those days. And it's going to be very hard to keep all that in your head. So a calendar definitely is key to write it all down, Plot out when you have interviews or shows. Plot out your posts throughout the day. It's, I mean, it's a basic, simple thing, but it, I find it invaluable because a Kickstarter, a campaign, is a, like a living thing. You can plan it as much as you want, but it's fluid. Things change. Stuff gets canceled. Stuff gets added. And having that calendar 
that you can reference throughout the entire campaign is invaluable. So your stories have run like the gamut of, of genres. Uh, which genre would you say is the easiest to write for you? <sighs> That's tough because it's really the story that, that you could tell is easy. Sometimes the story hits you regardless of the genre and other times it's a fight. Um, I'm, I, I would say horror because I'm a horror guy. You know, I was just completely bombarded in horror. I kind of, I ran through the racks of Blockbuster just going down <laughs> the horror. <laughs> because Blockbuster didn't have nuance in its genres. You know, they had sci-fi, they had horror, and then comedy and drama. That was kind of it. So if you had like a genre flick, it's either going to be sci-fi or horror. And a lot of times they cross. So they just had so much stuff that was kind of in there that you can be exposed to. Um, and there's also, there's stuff, there's something about villains in horror that just feels so natural to write. I don't know if that's, that says something about me or just, <laughs> but when you want to get into the horror villain mentality, it's just, it's very easy to uh, seep into that dark persona, probably because we, we push it down so much during our average day that it's very cathartic to get it out there when you're writing. That it's like all oh, the built up tension, the guy that I want to punch throughout the day that I couldn't, now I finally get to do it. So it's, sometimes it's, it's easy to, to slip into that genre and just let things unfold. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so is there a particular genre that you haven't told a story in that you, you know, kind of want to? You know what, I don't read romance. I don't write romance. And I don't even particularly enjoy watching rom-coms. I mean, I will because I like watching anything. But I like, I want to challenge, I like challenging, you know, when I'm a writer. I like doing something I haven't done, uh, doing something that makes me feel uncomfortable. So I, I definitely want to, at some point, do like a traditional romance. And that kind of sounds boring now that I'm saying it out loud. But the, the thought of, of doing something that I never thought of doing, it, it kind of... I like the challenge. I like the puzzle aspect of it. So it's, it's kind of appealing. But now that I think about the amount of work that it takes to write one novel, I'm going to dedicate myself to writing a maybe I'm Maybe I'm in love with the idea of it more than the actual practice. <laughs> well, that's like half of romance stories anyway, right? Yeah. Being in love with the idea rather than the, you know, person or whatever. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try. I'll probably combine it with something else to just kind of keep myself interested. <laughs> So you not only write comics, but you've also written some novels and short stories as well. Uh, what are some differences in the creative process for writing a novel versus, say, writing a comic book? I would say the differences is mainly the plotting. There's a lot more planning that goes into a comic because comic is all about resource management. You know, if you've got 20 pages, 22 pages, you'll have only so many panels you could use on that page. It's, it's like a puzzle where you got to put the pieces together in order to tell the story in that limited amount of time. Whereas in a novel, you have more space to kind of spread your wings and to tell, take your time telling the story at your own pace. And so that's the main difference is that when you're telling a story, you really got to pace it. Uh, there's a lot more intensive planning in the planning stage of the pacing when it comes to a comic and you're you're more of a you're more of a manager you know as a writer when you're writing a comic the artist is the primary storyteller and you have to manage the story in order to to put it in your quarterback's hands and let him run the plays 
Whereas in the writer, it's all in your shoulder. And in a uh, prose novel, it's all in your shoulders where you have to, you got to do it all. So when you come up with an idea for a story, uh, how do you decide which format to tell it in? I don't know. That's a tricky thing. It's because it's, it's all about the feeling you get, you know? There's no right, one right answer. Because as we see when a comic book story is adapted for a movie, they make certain changes. So it's all about fitting that specific medium to whatever the story is. So I, I'm a big believer that any story can be told in any medium. It's just a matter of how you want to tell it. And you could tell it the wrong way, you could tell it the right way, depending on what that medium really specializes in, and you know, and how it how it could really display a story to the audience. So it's it's just you you get that feeling, especially sometimes when a mo when an idea hits you, and you could already picture how you want the uh, the viewer, the reader, the consumer to experience it. Sometimes you just know, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of instinct. You don't want to you don't. It's not something where you want to sit down and rub your chin and contemplate what medium it's going to fall into. You know, it's, it's something that you just have to know right away. So earlier you talked about Midnight Society being uh, one of your big influences, but who are, who are some of your other influences? Uh, I mean, I could just think of writers that I gravitated to when I started reading comics when I was young. This was around the, the big ultimate marketing gimmick that Marvel had. I got sucked into all those guys. So Bendis <laughs> and Millar, uh, I'm also a huge Neil Gaiman fan. I mean, I'm not like a diehard Neil Gaiman fan like some people are, but he writes prose and he writes novel uh, comics and he seamlessly goes back and forth between them. So I, I love the way that he does that. And he's, his fantasy is very whimsical. So, so I enjoy his work as well. I'm trying to get into some Stephen King. I, I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't read more of his, but his, he's, he's definitely got a, be, a very good sense of plotting a story so uh, i love to see his work and how just how he he's able to to round everything out you know so uh one of your books that caught my eye was drabble madness so first off uh for those who aren't in the know what exactly is a drabble and tell us about the unique way that you wrote those stories so drabble a drabble is a it's a short story that's exactly 100 words it's not like 99, it's not 101, it has to be exactly 100. So in an essence, it's, more, it's a little bit more like a, a puzzle than a story because you have to, you have, you got to play around with sentence structure and syntax in order to, to get the exact right wordage that you need. And Drabble Madness was my attempt. I always wanted to write like a, sh a short story collection of Drabbles. And I figured because 100 words... Um, hundred of these stories would make sense, but I thought it was very daunting to come up with a hundred ideas for the story, for the stories. So I decided on a Kickstarter campaign that I called Drabble Madness. And basically what it was, was I was looking to get a hundred backers to commission me to write a hundred Drabbles where they, as a backer, they can tell me what type of story they want to write. And I ran the campaign in January. And then, so throughout the month of February, there were four weeks, uh, four weeks or five weeks. I can't do the math, but it, it worked out. And anyway. it worked out so that if I wrote five drabbles every day during the week, I would wind up with a hundred at the end. Four, it would be four weeks, right? So four times five, I can't do math. It's too late in the day. <laughs> um, anyway, 
I, that's how it worked. And, and it was crazy. I had, I had a lot of people say they wanted stories about cats, which was kind of weird. I don't know where that came from, but, <laughs> but it was, it was that month. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because it was the fact that, so if you think about it, five stories a day is 500 words. There are hundred words, stories. So 500 words is not a lot. But each story is its own self-contained thing. So I needed to come up with the plot and the characters. And I had to shift gears in genre constantly. So I would be writing a sci-fi story and then go to a horror story, then go to a comedy, and then go to a, like a romance story. So it was mentally taxing having to constantly stop and shift gears and back and forth. And it, was, it, was, it really was a month of madness of writing. But I managed to finish it. It was a it was it was a good time that I wouldn't want to do again. And at the end of it, I had a uh, a short story collection of a hundred hundred word stories. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Uh, now, looking at your comics, uh, your big series has been uh, Modern Testament. Uh, what's that series about? So the general idea of Modern Testament is it's an anthology series of um, in. Uh, standalone short stories that are not connected and the basic premise is biblical mythology. So the idea was to take characters from biblical mythology, whether it's horsemen of the apocalypse, angels, demons, and boil the character down to its essence and then tell a short story about that character in our modern world, you know, kind of update them for a modern society. And it kind of came about because a lot of times when comic writers get started, they need to get started small, so they start with a short story. But you can't really just put a short story out there. You have to do something with it. So the idea, my, my first short story was, an, it was about an angel. And I'm like, let me continue this theme. So I did one about, uh, another one about a demon, another one about a horse movie apocalypse. And before I knew it, I had a, a little three stories in a, a single issue of a book. And I, I got that with a, an indie publisher. And he said, Don't, do you want to continue the series and can keep on going? And I said, sure. So I put out four volumes with him. I eventually combined them all into an anthology that was 15 stories. It was like 160 pages long. And it was like my kind of my condensed collection of this, this whole big work of mine that was a couple years of my life. So it's, it's super cool looking back on it because each short story was like its own project. You know, I, I got a new art team. I got a new, um, it was a new story that was kind of not in a shared universe. I got to start fresh and it was a good crash course in creating comics, getting all these stories together and compiling them in anthology. And uh, I look back on it finally. I mean, I don't work on the series too much because I want to move on to other stuff, but uh, Modern Testament, it's a good shot of, of what I can be capable of as a writer because it's just, there's just so much stuff in there. Nice. So, <clears throat> excuse me uh, so with the way that things are right now things can change in an instant but are you currently planning on any uh going to any cons of the, like the back half of 2021 you know 2020 was going to be my big convention year because i with my kids and my wife works it's hard to get out there and hit the convention scene i was like 2020 i'm finally going to change that and I had a whole bunch of stuff planned and a whole bunch of small book. And obviously the universe laughed at me. So um, I wasn't planning on doing anything for 2021. Uh, I think I'm just going to take a back seat. Not that I'm, I'm concerned or anything. It's just, it's hard to get that 
shift into gears, you know, and just kind of like jump out there and get going, especially when we have schedules and kids and all that, all that junk that gets in the way of, of comics. So I had nothing scheduled for 2021. Uh, maybe 2022 will be my big convention turnaround year. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I definitely have to have a better presence on the convention circuit. So uh, what advice do you have for anyone that's looking to either go into writing novels or comics or anything like that? Uh, it might seem simple, but the two things you need to do is you need to read and you need to write. You know, you have to, you have to read to, to find your own voice. You have to see what you like, what you don't like. And the only way to do that is to experience books and comics and, and see what works, what doesn't work, and how you want to tell your own stories. And then you have to go out and you have to write them. You know, it's, I kind of, whenever I think of writing, I think of um, Dory, the fish from Finding Nemo. <laughs> it just keeps swimming, you know, you gotta just, just keep writing, just keep writing. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's one sentence or two sentences, you just keep that momentum going. And before you know it, you, uh, you're revved up and you, you got to finish page. So it's just a matter of doing the work. You know, there's no magic bullets in order to getting it done. So not only are you, have you been on Kickstarter, but you're also are on, are, excuse me, you're also on Patreon. Uh, what are some of the things, things that fans can get on your Patreon? I am. I'm a Patreon newbie, a rookie. I, kinda, I just launched it like recently. So what I offer on Patreon is um, I offer kind of some, a lot of the standard writing stuff, a, uh, uh, previews, behind the scenes. I also offer exclusive short stories and flash fiction and, and blog posts. I'm a, a big, I like writing blogs because I have opinions and like everyone on the internet, I think people should read my opinions. So that, so that, <laughs> that that's the base, uh, I guess, tier for $1 you get to read, read my thoughts. Um, I also, I do weekly content on, on social media. I write Drabbles and Twitter stories and I have a, a web comic that I post weekly and I, I just, I put them up there on my, on my social media for free, but I also offer a exclusive version of all that stuff, which uh, patrons can, can gain access to. So fun stuff. Nice. So, all right. Uh, you talked about your social media. How can people find you online? Uh, I'm simple. I'm Frank, the writer. So my website is frankthewriter.com. I have a bunch of free stories up there. Also, you can sign up for my mailing list to keep track of what I'm doing. Also, I'm Frank the Writer on social media. So at Frank the Writer, and that's my handle for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, awesome. Um, Frank, is there anything that we haven't talk, talked on, touched on anything like that, that you want to get out into the universe? Quantum physics. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i think we kind of went around the world and back again we kind of talked about a whole bunch of stuff and it was a it was a good time awesome well frank thank you so much for talking to us again the kickstarter for pipe creepers starts on august 24th and it goes until when uh september 10th september 10th all right so uh if you're like me and you know, like one of the things that I've done, like to kind of, uh, you know, curb by uh, my lack of buying comics at cons is I've been 
buying a lot of things off of Kickstarter. So if you're like me, get on Kickstarter, check out this comic book. It's a lot of fun. Frank, best luck to you. Thank you, Mitch. I definitely appreciate it. You're welcome.